The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Seth Poho, this has been awesome to uh, finally get you on. It's actually that this is actually my 50th podcast that I've done, although a couple of them predate the official podcast. But whatever, this is like the 50th. So thanks for coming on. It's been a long time coming. Oh, I'm glad to be on, and especially for the unofficial 50 that's official for the 50. Exactly. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because um, when I got the idea to do these interviews and stuff, I uh, I reached out to Jerry Krasnick back in like late 2016 and so uh i talked with him and then i got carl ravich's son sam on an 18 just to do like a little interview you know pick their brain that type of thing and then last year i got into this thing full but i I added those to the um like the the podcast platform that i use (laughs) so it counts as the whole number but yeah it's been awesome to crank these things out but you know i love just talking with people and you're one of like I don't know when we started following each other on Twitter, but I feel like you're one of like my OG followers. I feel like we go back unofficially for, I don't know, I've been on since like 15 already, so it's been six years, but it's cool to, uh, I know you're a big, you know, vintage baseball hockey guy, Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, like right I didn't necessarily alley. think that there was that much of a genre of those three things. <laughs> I, you know, that's the thing. I don't even know if that's even the case, but I know you definitely know about those topics, oh, uh-huh. so it works. <laughs> You're a sports well, guy. Yeah, that's, that's what matters. Th- yeah, and that's the thing because it's like for me, like it's like you know, it's weird to think about. It's like far back. It's like I've always been interested in it, and then it's like you know, being one of those kids of the '90s, right. it's like easily just uh, like getting sucked into like The Simpsons because I mean that was like the the I guess the raunchy show back in the '90s, which. Of course, you look back on it now, thirty years later, you're like it's pretty tame right. compared I know, to right? what else is out there. Exactly. That's what's that's what's so funny. That's one of the shows. I mean, I watched that. You know, I still watch it, of course. But I watched it growing up, and I remember. I don't know, like my aunt, and, like one of my aunts or my, you know, they'd be like, "Oh, we don't watch this. This is too." And looking back, like you said, it's so tame. I mean, the worst thing ever was Hell, or you know, they say Damn or <laughs> Hell, or you know, Homer and Marge have their little whatever but nothing compared to like family guy today oh no no i mean especially since like i mean even you think about even um south park because that debut when i was like in middle school it was like i mean i always loved those guys too because they took the monty python approach to humor that essentially nothing is ever off limits right and especially if you like you know for those people who've seen more monty python than just the three movies like for some of the writers, their whole mindset was there's never anything is a joke that is too off color, out of context. Like, cause it always remind me of like one of the, like one of my favorite, like, like stories from them was, um, was when they were like meeting to make a couple specials in Germany and they were meeting with these like German TV officials. And, you know, I mean, let's think about it. this is 1970s. It's not too far removed from world war two. Graham Chapman got the idea of asking, 
why don't you guys take us to Dachau? And you're thinking, holy crap, who would ask that of all things of wanting to go see like a concentration camp right. like 25 years removed from World War II? It's like for him, he loved the joke that was way out of context. And I always kind of love that about that kind of humor. But yet with The Simpsons, it feels like as if it's not really that. It's more or less just calling out the weird things about American life and not yeah. having any shame whatsoever in it. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I had Ryan Davis on uh, about, I think well, it was in December, I believe now. And we were talking mm-hmm. about the Simpsons, Simpsons as well. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, I was, I was mentioning or kind of, um, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of sad, but you know, the episode where uh, the, the citizenship uh, episode where Apu is trying to get, oh, yes. um, so what I was thinking about, you know, over the last couple of years watching that episode, it's funny, I guess I say it's sad, but it's funny slash sad, I guess, because it's like, it starts out with the bear and the bear attacks and getting rid of the bear. And then Quimby just wants to get the, the attention off of him and says, it's the, it's the immigrants fault. And it's like, and then it became that whole thing about Apu and he's trying to become, uh, you know, get a citizenship. But, you know, and then it's like, wow, like that still resonates today, going back to early 90s to today and just that entire topic of things. But, you know, it's but yeah, I mean, no matter what, it's so relevant, no matter what the, the situation. Now, of course, the newer I haven't been watching the newer episodes like I used to. Watch. Oh, I, I haven't I haven't watched that show regularly since probably the early 2000s mm. like i honestly have no idea at all like i've seen some newer ones but it just doesn't resonate the same i mean i still i basically what happened i think was in college so i was in co- i graduated in 13 but i was i remember about 2010 11 i was not able to watch the new ones as much but i was like i'll catch up and it's been a decade since and i still haven't really bothered to try to catch up on the new ones i still watch the old ones on fxx when they stream them every yeah. day i still throw those on just to have something on sometimes but uh yeah, it's it's still great just to watch, especially the older ones, like seasons, you know, the first eight, nine, ten. <laughs> oh, especially especially I feel I always felt like around seasons three through five was like golden age. Like that right. was when the writing staff was really good. Like, you know, they had already established the characters, especially since like that is so much of the show is like the surrounding community of the Simpsons where it's like all the characters play an important part of kind of like identifying various aspects of American life while, you know, not necessarily being too cliched or stereotyped. And I felt like if like by seasons three through five, they had like their best ones. Cause the only thing that kind of sucks, like once you get to like season eight, nine and 10, like the focus goes away from like American living to like, what kind of crazy job can Homer have yeah. this week? Well, I mean, you right. get some jokes in there. They're still funny, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. it changes the dynamic a little bit of the humor. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking through on Wikipedia. I just pulled up all the seasons. Yeah, you're right. Like, the, the, what kind of got me also, maybe Ryan kind of pointed this out to me, but it's funny because the first, I don't know, at least the first season or maybe the first couple seasons, Homer is just, it's almost more of like a sympathetic character. He's not quite the bumbling idiot that he really becomes later on. Exactly. Because and- it reminds me of, I think it was, I think it was a first season episode where um, they go to uh, Burns's house for like a company picnic. And he of course is appalled by how the family acts. And then he wants them to be, you know, more like the idea of the perfect family Right. Where it's like you get later on. I mean, I don't even know if it really happens in the first season, but I have a feeling he definitely switches over towards like the second season where it's like 
Marge is always that character that's the driving force on like trying to make it be the more perfect family to try to make it be more of the stereotypical family. Right. Exactly. That's the exact episode I was thinking of where they go to the, and Marge is the one that becomes, you know, she gets all yeah. drunk and he's just like mortified. But yeah. Do you have a favorite episode? I mean, I'm sure you do. What, what is your favorite episode? Oh, God, you know, four episodes, top five was, or something. I was thinking about that yesterday. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, you know, I hope he honestly doesn't ask me if I have a favorite episode because I really don't. I don't know. Like, I know and and like, so I'm like, the, I'm like the youngest of like, of like four kids. So like my older brothers were a little more aware of the jokes back then, but it's like a thing where we can like kind of just throw back and riff about various oh, yeah. jokes from episodes. Sure. So sure. it's like for us, it's just a collection of those stupid yeah. things. And it's That's like, the thing. <sighs> yeah. Cause you know, it's funny because I, I, you know, when I was when I was talking with Ryan, we talked about our top five. I was trying to think on the spot. I was like, man, I don't even know if I have. I asked the question, and then I'm like, do I even have a top five? Like you said, it's kind of just a collection of random episodes and jokes. But, you know, one thing I, that would always stick with me, of course, was when he goes to work for uh, Hank Scorpio. And it's just like, finally, he found his perfect job. But, of course, <laughs> it's like the worst situation possible for his family. And he's a supervillain. And uh, but I, I just love that gift that I can always use with Hank and the and the fire gun or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you see anybody in your way, go kill them for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, man. it's not no, the it's... Dallas Cowboys, but it's close enough. You're right, right. The Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was listening to. So I have I have a couple of the seasons on DVD, and I've listened to some of the commentary on those. And when they got to that point about. Uh, he get they get back to their old house and or their current house really and right, yeah. the 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 Broncos are <laughs> playing in the front yard. They were saying how the joke was something because it was like early mid nineties or whatever, and they were like you know back then the Broncos were horrible, so it was kind of like that was the joke. Of course that yeah, I was like of course and of course I don't know. I don't remember when that episode aired. I feel like that was right around the time Elway was taking them to the top. Maybe it was probably after the episode, but. I feel like as if it's not too far away because I mean you think yeah. about ninety eight was the last his last season. Of course they won ninety seven they won ninety six they were the top ranked. Then they lost to Jacksonville in that shocker, which of course I thought was even better the next week because I really fell in love with um, the the Patriots after the Browns left. So it's like oh like I like Drew Bledsoe and then they beat them there. I'm trying to remember. See, I don't, see, I'm not as good prior to like 95 on football. This episode did air in 96. And I think I, if I remember correctly, I feel like in the commentary, they even said like the joke was, of course, Denver was horrible. And then they won the Super Bowl not soon after or not yeah. long after the, the episode. But Conan, Conan O'Brien was a writer for a couple of years, too. And yeah, that would have been that would have been like peak, like um, I think like seasons at least seasons two and three he was mm -hmm. that's what i was thinking because i think like it wasn't too long after that he ended up getting um the late night show because then they had him on the episode that bart got famous because you know he did the whole thing like being on conan and like no 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 you don't dance i dance yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he was 91 to 93 on the simpsons so just a few years but man those those old episodes it's so crazy how the new ones, even not even not even necessarily the new ones. You could go back to like 2011, 12 at this point, and it just you could just see the difference between the first decade versus the latter stages. But uh, I wonder, like, how, do you ever wonder? Um, 
I mean, you said you haven't really watched the new ones, but uh, oh god, no. Do you wonder when they're actually going to just end it and go off the air? Because I feel like at some point they will. But I, I mean, like you've already had a couple of cast members pass away, and I mean, and it's not like as if you're talking about just like uh, like special guest appearances. I mean, you know, I mean Phil Hartman. I mean that was. You're, you know, there's no way that you could have envisioned that happening. And it, in a way for them, it's like, thankfully for the show, you're not losing a main voice. I mean, look what happened to news radio, which I mean, first off, a, I just always got to go with the sidebar that news radio is a, is an underappreciated oh, show. I, like I can't it. believe yeah. NBC, like just could not stand that show and screwed it over. But it's like, you watch, the last season, you know, you if for anyone who's watched that show, and then you watch the first season um, when you had uh, John Lovitz come in. I mean, apart from just the inner show bickering between him and Andy Dick, because Dick felt threatened by Lovitz because he's like, well, he thought he can insert himself into the family, and it just didn't work out. You know, I, I feel like is that the Simpsons would have to be like that. You'd have to, you know knock wood hope that Hank Azari doesn't get killed or something or Harry Shearer and then you're like oh crap we just lost somebody who supplies us with like a dozen voices so what do you do you can't just be like okay you know Marsha Wallace passed away I guess you know and the has gone you know we we have to move on you you can't replace that voice you know that exists within that show and you tried to replace it you're not going to find anything close to it yeah just a few weeks ago i randomly came across marshall wallace on youtube and it's funny because her voice is exactly kerbapple at least it was in that youtube thing i was watching it was basically like a 60 seconds with marshall wallace they were just asking her random questions but i was like wow the voice is right there because you know hank azaria you wouldn't necessarily know he was a poo or whoever he's doing exactly um, mo but you know and and what was really funny was i didn't realize dan castellanetta was homer i was watching a show like yes dear back in the day i had no idea that he was in this one episode until the movie had just come out and they were doing one of those i don't know they're talking to the different characters and i'm like oh that guy why is he why is he there and then he starts going into homer i'm like holy crap that was homer the whole time so when i see him on when he was on everybody loves raymond on one of those uh the t-ball episode if you probably saw that um i probably saw it when it first aired but probably like after that i'd never seen that one again so yeah he was the t-ball coach and like the little weenie nerdy t-ball coach he was on yes there's this crazy guy and he was the guy that plays homer and i'm like oh my god i never would have realized that and of course, Lisa Yardley Smith. Uh, when I've seen her on TV, you can almost you can almost see the voice. You can almost hear it. Yeah, because that, that's but, like close to life there. Yeah, yeah. But um, man, it's what's what's great is these YouTube roundtable type things where they're. I don't know who it was. I, I I could picture the guy in my mind. I'd have to look him up now. I can't remember who he was, but he's one of those famous people, I think. But he was talking to the different cast of characters, and they were all just there, like you know, at like just sitting there like normal but then they would start yeah. going in the character and it was like this is great because they're going in the character and it's just funny to watch them like me or you just sitting here talking but they're in their their voices and the one guy harry Shear, i think does burns and smithers right or is that <sighs> no i i would 
I feel like as if I can't commit to that because I feel like as if I just I just I'm just gonna be like uh, I I don't think I want to say yes and then I'm like uh, I'm gonna feel stupid if it isn't. Whichever one does both of them did both of them right then and he's just going back and forth like almost like in his head. I'm like this is so great. But, of course it's um, funny. It's funny when you're th- thinking like you know like oh like you know that's Marshall Wallace voice because yeah she does one character but then it's like for people who you know remember the bob newhart show the original one um where he's based in chicago i mean you know she played his receptionist carol which i mean again another great show that had a great cast i mean you know you're like okay that's the that's pretty much the one where i think a lot of the older viewers of the simpsons can easily identify her but it is interesting when you think about that seeing them in real life doing you know live action shows yeah so it was Cheryl that does both and apparently castellanetta also did smothers probably as a fill-in or something but it could have been early yeah i think they might have been like maybe like first or second season there might have been some different people and you kind of can tell if you go back to season one or two for instance versus now the voice sounds the same but it's something's different homer's voice was a little bit not rougher but uh you know you can just tell the voices are a little bit different probably age probably different people here and there of course with homer it was always dan but you know yeah. it's it's it is funny but as much as it's the same it's you can tell the differences but i do remember too like in i don't know season one for instance couldn't tell you which episode but there were times where smithers was like a black character and yep. i know there was an issue i think there was an issue with the sh- it's like i don't think it was planned to be that way i i, 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 I think i think it was, I think it was a color coding issue. Yes. I think they were still using Korean yeah. animation then, and it didn't translate um, when they went from, I think, like probably the development sketch or to, or the development colors or something. I think I remember reading that. I think it was an yeah. error with the animation. That's what I was remembering. Yeah. And Ned, same thing. I think Ned. Yeah. And Ned, then Ned was. I believe one of the, uh, one of uh, Chief Wiggum's is, uh, partners sidekicks whatever whatever his name is lou i think lou was the other way <laughs> i think he was like the yellow but uh, yeah i think it was too which of course you know talk about taking that spin to the baseball i thought that was so cool that lou and eddie got essentially were developed as like a homage to um alan trammell and lou whitaker which i thought was like the cool thing about the dorky baseball aspects of the simpsons Oh, man. I was just thinking about with the baseball episode. Of course, Homer at the bat. That was such a classic episode with Griffey and all those guys coming back. I love how Smithers just is like tasked with finding all these players and he just finds them like no big deal. Like, oh, there's uh, Ozzy Smith. There's uh, Mike Sosha, I think, uh, in the woods or something crazy or Jose. Yeah, he was hunting. That's right. Yeah. I just love how you found all these guys, <laughs> which is funny because then they ended up having Mike Sosha on a later episode where he plays himself again. Yeah. And then, of course, you kind of have to address the whole idea that he was on that episode and then he didn't die of radiation cancer. Right. But yet he has the ability to strip the magnetic fields off people's credit cards and that everything's about baseball. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. I remember the one with Bart McGuire when uh, Bart was oh, on yeah. the, the, what was it? The OC, I think it was uh, ADD. It's like, ADD. An AD, it's like an ADD medication, which of course, yeah. like, I mean, I would, that was definitely my age where, I mean, I didn't have it, but I mean, where it's like, I felt like as if you'd see like five or six kids in your class getting uh, riddled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back exactly. when they used to just be pumping that stuff out left and right. 
<laughs> yeah, right. And and Mark McGuire shows up and he's like, oh, but what was so great about that was when he shows up, he's like, do you want the horrifying truth or do you want to see me hit dingers? And of course, later on, we find out about the Astros, not well, before their cheating scandal, the Cardinals and the Astros, the hacking thing. And that was so perfect. Like, of course, the Simpsons read that as if they knew what was happening. I was about to say that. I said, like, you can use that line and it can essentially sum up so many different controversies within Major League Baseball, not just within the late 90s, but just like even today. I mean, you think about the whole backlash that the Mariners got from that uh, Rotary Club speech. And it's like, oh, we finally learned the horrifying truths that baseball front offices are essentially terrible and really don't care so much about getting the best team, but getting the cheapest team Absolutely. with the, uh, with the uh, uh, service time manipulation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like the Chris Bryant and so many guys, Oh man, I understand the, obviously the player's side because they want to come yeah. up and play. Now I also get the front office side. They're like, well, if we can keep this guy an extra year, extra control, blah, blah, blah. But it's refreshing though, in my mind, at least to see, Teams like, whether it's the White Sox, the Padres, all these teams, with these young players just getting, I mean, like, well, whether you want to say it's good or not that they're taking their, I mean, if they want to sign now, sure. Like, you know, Tatis obviously just got paid, but I was thinking well, about and, like, and, that's, and, and that's the thing. And that's the thing with me that kind of kills it. Cause I mean, you mean, I mean, I'm a born, I was born into an, a Cleveland Indians household. Right. Right. So, you know, pretty much really parts of my childhood, you're talking about a team that was just a second division team. You know, and relating it to my dad, I mean, Christ, I mean, the last time that team mattered would have been in the late 50s before Hank Greenberg pretty much started getting rid of everybody left and right. And then all of a sudden it was just constant rebuild or new ownership. And then, you know, you think about the 1970s, which, you know, I think for for, for some fans that don't understand why Indians fans always hate the Yankees, mm. it's the fact that you had a team where they were cultivating young talent and then it felt like in the late 60s, early 70s, every single time that there was either a new ownership or ownership needed more money, they would take that good young player and then usually trade them to the Yankees for cash. And then that player turns out to be, you know, a great player, not necessarily Hall of Famer, but it's like, you know, you think about guys like uh, Nettles. Now I can't even think about any, some of the other names, but it's like, you know, they, they just get rid of them. And it's like right. teams like Kansas City before um, – you know, they really embraced their their farm systems. Teams like them and the Indians would constantly use the Yankees as like a, a fail safe to infuse cash by getting rid of young, promising players, and then it bites them in the bites them in the ass in the long run. Right. Yeah, I was just about to say like a guy like David Justice came to mind, but he was with Oakland. Or no. Yeah, that's right. He went to Oakland from New York. Never mind. But he was a former wait, was Justice an Indian? Oh, yeah, he was. He got yeah. traded. He got traded. Um, yeah. It was, I think he was part of the deal that traded, I think, Grissom, Grissom and Justice for Lofton, which broke, broke teenage me's heart. I love Lofton. He was my favorite player of all time. Oh, um, and Alan Embry, I believe, was adding on that deal, which, you know, I mean, Justice pretty much played his whole life on contending teams, which as we learned through the movie version of Moneyball that, oh, he was just an old timer just being paid by the Yankees to play on another team. Yeah. Did you like that movie? <sighs> yeah, I don't want to say I hate it, but you know what I mean? Like there's kind of someone on Twitter made a comment about it. I'm trying to remember who it was last night, but they're like, 
Moneyball loves to neglect the fact that they had a ton of pitching. Right. And good young developing players like Eric Chavez, another personal favorite of mine. Miguel Tejada was coming into his own. Mm -hmm. But then act like as if this ragtag team and nobody's found a way to win. I mean, they had, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Oakland was the first at realizing that. You know, I mean, Minnesota mm-hmm. was doing that for a spell where they would just accumulate tons of young players. Because think about the way they draft. They draft where they always like to choose as many shortstops as possible. I mean, you think about guys like um, Johan Santana, uh, who actually, I think Johan was like when he was playing amateur, I think he used to be a shortstop. Yeah, which is weird because so. he's left handed. Right. Um, that is weird. <laughs> Danny Santana was a shortstop and they converted him to outfield and there's someone else they drafted that was a shortstop because they'll look at kids that are shortstop and think if they can't play professionally there, they'll find them a new position to play. But it's like Cleveland does that now too. Cause I mean, you talk about, uh, you were just talking about it and I, I kind of got away from it, you know, signing guys like Tatis to long-term deals in 2016, when the Indians lost in the World Series, which, oh my, my God, that, that was a miracle run. I'm thinking, oh God, that this is probably going to be their only chance with this crop of guys. You know, you think about the, the, the talent that they had, and some of it wasn't necessarily star talent, but, you know, guys like Lonnie Chisenhall, Michael Brantley, Jose Ramirez, Jason Kipnis, um, obviously Francisco Lindor. Uh, thinking about the pitching staff, Klubach. all that is through essentially either, you know, their farm system, you know, maybe not necessarily drafted, but guys they got via trades. And it's like, you got to sign somebody from this group. And, you know, they made the commitment to Ramirez. And I'm thinking, uh, make the commitment to Ramirez and get Lindor. When's yep. the next time you're going to get this kind of a caliber shortstop right. in the next 30 years? Right. And look what they did. Exactly. You know, yeah. they moved him, and I knew that the writing was on the wall as soon as they traded Clevenger. You know, they, they were just loading up on a bunch of shortstops in the farm system and think, oh, well, someone will be just as good as Lindor. And it's like, yeah, but they're not going to be as good as Lindor. Right. Because that was the right. thing that was killing me with the way the Cubs were dealing with Bryant there. And I know he had an off year, and, it, you know, every year is not going to be your best, but it's like, you can get yourself the security of getting a decent quality third baseman, especially at a position that historically, if you get a good third baseman, you lock them down. You know, you think about like teams in the 60s, 70s and 80s and even the 90s. If you got a third baseman, you're set. You got to sign that guy long term because it's it was impossible to find good quality third baseman. You can rely year in, year out. Coming off for the Cubs, coming off this horrible, well, not horrible year for them necessarily, but a a bad, bad year by Bryant and Baez contract years coming up. Would you keep which would you keep? Would you try to keep both? Would you try to keep one or the other Baez? I mean, where do you what do you think about those two? It sucks because it's like. And this is the thing that kills me. I mean, let's let's be realistic here. These owners always complain about being poor and stuff. Oh, we just don't have enough money to get these guys. And it's like, you kidding me? I mean, it's insane because, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, you got a, a team in the Miami Marlins that really shouldn't have been sold to the group it was, got sold. And then they're like, oh, we got to cut payroll, especially with Jeter, because he's going to get that bonus because he got them. He's going to get them in the black. And it's like, okay. Like, do you guys want to just think about it only from the business standpoint or do you want to think about it from a competitive standpoint? When I think about the Cubs 
you know, and it kind of goes beyond that too. Cause you mean, let's see, even throwing the whole Schwarber thing. Cause I mean, you know, let's be honest. I imagine there are tons of Cubs oh, fans yeah. that just love him. I mean, he's, a, you know, he's a fun player to watch. He has his holes in his game, but I'm thinking if you're Chicago, I would want to lock down that left side. I'd want both guys. And last year was weird because, you know, shortened season, you know, no fans. I mean, you know, living here in New York, I watched tons of Mets games and you could feel guys like Pete Alonzo struggle because it felt like as if for him, it, it was a weird situation playing in a ballpark with no fans. And that guy loves playing to the yeah. atmosphere. And that's the thing too. Cause I mean, you know, those two guys are so much fun to watch and particularly Baez. I mean, Baez is like face of the franchise kind of thing, not to right, take right. away from Rizzo. I mean, I think Rizzo is Rizzo's like the yeah, captain, exactly. you know, he's like Steve Eiserman. Yep. He sets the tone right. for that team, you know, and with Baez, Baez got the flair and especially with the way that the Cubs have been developing players lately. I mean, it feels like as if you almost got to take a page from the Yankees in the 90, you got to, lock down those key guys no matter what the cost is and especially in today's game where you can kind of shift some players around and especially during the Madden era you know where his whole approach was yeah Chris Bryant's a third baseman but he's not going to play third every day you know you get guys you get your Swiss Army Knife guys like you know like Ben Zobris or you get those guys like Ian Happ who you know aren't necessarily Swiss Army nice, but guys that you can kind of float around because you just want his bat in the lineup. You know, if you're a team like the Cubs, you got to be thinking like we're in a position now where we got a good group of players. You got to hold on to some. Yeah, you're going to move some, but you got to keep some to be able to make it competitive, especially in a division like NL Central, where I mean, since he was so late on even signing guys, and then Pittsburgh. I mean, Christ. You talk about a team that just essentially runs it on a yeah. dollar and a dream. I mean, it's in it's insane what they what the Pittsburgh Pirates front office does to that fan base. If they would actually try to go out and sign guys, they'd be amazed at how much that city would just fall in love with that team like they do with like well the oh. Penguins that <laughs> recently and then obviously right. the Steelers. Zero, zero, and 